following program may be pre-recorded. Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, imagining, sharing ideas, exploring the what-ifs, and getting connected. Perhaps even inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Our topic today is Closing the Gap in Educational Achievement, Workforce, and Economic Disparities with a Goal to End Racism and Racial Inequality. Joining us today is Denise Parker. She's the Director of Internships and Careers from the National College Resources Foundation. And our topic is one of the key missions of the National College Resources Foundation. Denise, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Lori. Good morning, Minnesota. <laughs> yes. Good morning. Our, our friend Denise is joining us from California. It was a thank pleasure you. to meet you at the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance that was hosted in Southern California, Denise. Oh, it was a pleasure to meet you also. I enjoyed our time and our connection, and I just enjoyed this conversation. And I just want to say big ups to my extended family in the Twin Cities. I have family out there, the Roberson family. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> well, there's all kinds of great ways that we make the connection, and I'm glad you've got family here, too. It makes <laughs> the connection even deeper. What what I love about what you do is you're you're really a matchmaker for students and opportunities. Yes, thank you for that introduction. And yes, matchmaking is what we do, and also an advocate. Um, there's so many different opportunities that young people have to um, bring to the table, not just receive, but they have so many different things they can bring to a table, not just their intellect their insight, the ingenuity, but also their passion for taking it to the next level to extend and beyond your wildest dreams. It's the innovation of young people that we are standing on, looking towards, we're looking forward to. We want to make sure that our young people are our, our leaders, our next leaders. So that's what we do here at National College Resources Foundation is, is to cultivate and to motivate and empower our young people to be just that for you, for the nation, for the world. I love that your mission is to curtail the high school dropout rate and increase degree and or certificate enrollment among underserved, underrepresented, at-risk, low-resource, homeless, and foster students. But you take it one step further and say, mm -hmm. these individuals have not been heard, have not been empowered, have not had the opportunity to give us the gifts that they have for, our, for the next generation's vision. Yes. You know what? That is the most powerful statement. Um, our founder and fearless leader, Dr. Teresa Price, she had this vision after being in years of entertainment and marketing uh, career. She just asked the question, what am I doing for the next? What am I doing to leave a legacy? Um, entertainment is great and you can leave a legacy in entertainment, but what am I doing to pull up the next generation? And when she looked around, 
being in California and seeing that there's not as much exposure to people um, in California to schools that are, you know, historically black colleges and universities are HBCUs, you find that, you know, you don't know what to do or say. So she said, let me solve this problem. Let me create an event. She had a, a ton of networking power. And in 1999, she created the Black College Expo. And out of the steps of, you know, that spawned National College Resources Foundation, our first event held at the Convention Center in Los Angeles, um, brought on over 20,000 people. Oh, my gosh. I bet she was just um, blown away. Blown away of the impact because the name Black College Expo is synonymous to historical Black colleges and universities. And they were invited to showcase their admissions and what it takes to become um, part of their institutions. And then we also invited other state and private institutions, public and, and private institutions to join outside of the HBCU space. And those 20,000 um, participants were overwhelmed. And guess who showed up? The riot police SWAT. Oh. They showed up thinking they were they afraid. I don't want to say afraid, not knowing what we were doing all gathered together in one. Um, With I mean, 20,000. Yeah, that's where the Lakers, you know, that's a, you know, a very, you know, iconic place where concerts are held, conventions are held. Um, the Lakers play down there. So it's like, why are all these people gathered? Yeah, it could have been, you know, the worst thoughts, you know, you can come across your head, you can mm -hmm. think those. And um, when they found out that we were there for education um, and just to get into college to receive information, their minds were blown away. They, it was just like, yeah, we're more than entertainment. We right. want to learn. We want to grow. We want to continue to do and thrive in this great country that we call home. Was it also a response to the California Proposition 209, which banned the affirmative action policies at state colleges? Yes, I was a product of uh, Prop 209. I was on the cusp of it ending in 1996 when I got into college at, at uh, California State University of Long Beach. I was on. I was in that that last leg of the Prop 209, and I was a part of that affirmative action, trying to get you know into school. My SAT, ACT scores weren't at the levels where I needed to be, but my grades, my cumulative GPA was excellent. Um, it wasn't that; it was just the fact that I couldn't test well. Right. And a lot of schools during that and there's, time. And a lot of test bias, I mean, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that needs to be looked at as well. Yes, yes. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be a young person and be told no when yeah. you have so much to offer. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. The more that we talk, I, I keep coming back to the thought of it. There's, there's almost a culture and a set of unwritten rules that don't get talked about in getting into school and getting into business, you know, and it, it's, it's being able to translate that culture uh, mm -hmm. that allows the aha moments for like, oh, that's why they do that. And oh, if I follow this path, I'll, I'll it, it, it's sort of the keys to the kingdom. This is how it works with schools. This is how it works with business. And that you're helping to translate that culture for folks that, that may not, well, and all young people have a, a, a sort of like, what do I do next? Uh, right. But more so when there are disparities. Yes. You know, what you find is that young people, they're still discovering what their life is before adulting. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've changed my major once while in college. An average student changes it two times before they can settle on a major and a degree. But imagine if you are in high school or K through 12 and you're in a system that is teaching you to uh, speak and think one certain way and um, they don't expose you to critically think. They don't expose you to challenge your norms. And so when you go to college, you are just exposed to the regiment that you are normally, you know, you know, acclimated to. Mm -hmm. And in college, all the things that you thought you knew, you don't really know. (laughs) You learn about beliefs and religions. If you take a religions uh, studies class, you learn about culture. If you take some cultural enrichment classes, whether it's your own culture or, you know, the culture of another uh, demographic, you learn psychology, you learn mathematics and art, and you are surrounded by people from all walks of life all over the world who want to come into one space and thrive. And, and a learn- lot of people and you're going learning- into school. Mm-hmm. And you're learning. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And you're learning problem solving. I mean, so much of I think the classes are not so much about memorizing and spitting back. It's about what do you think about this? You know, what are your yeah. ideas about it? You know, and challenge. Yeah. Well, obviously math and some of the science, there is, uh, you know, things that you do need to know. But I felt in my humanities work, it was very much encouraging. How, how do you do problem solving with this frame yeah. um, and having that opportunity to think about it in that frame? Yeah, I want. I wanted to go to college my entire life. I was around my family who were um, educators, you know, teachers, people. I I knew my history, um, my story, my family story. I stand on the shoulders of great women and men, and um, who fought, lived, and strived to be a part of the educational fabric of America. And uh, this was my plight. Um, It wasn't like I didn't want to go to school. It's just what is my footing? Who am I in that process? Mm -hmm. I I wasn't forced to pick any particular road. Um, It was a self-discovery. I'm a natural born artist, a professional dancer by trade, um, the the thespian theater uh, lover, live stage, love it all. I went to a high school for the arts and, um, 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 and it was just an amazing experience that I um, was able to be um, acclimated into because I was uh, asserted into positions of like, get out, get over yourself, get to know yourself better, be on stage, understand your body language, your posture, your speech, your rhetoric. Um, words do matter. They have power. Use your diction. And all of that um, um, framed me. And, and then I uh, learned different techniques and skills that developed me socially and emotionally. And then I also um, challenge myself in public um, arenas like volunteerism, um, making sure that I'm a part of, you know, solutions as opposed to just raising my voice to power. I want to be a part of solutions by getting my hands wet and dirty. One of my first jobs was at the YMCA. I loved helping young people at a very early age. I was a missionary at a very young age. I led, um, you know, groups. I'm not an overachiever. I just don't like sitting still. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't like sitting still and being told this is where you need to stay in this box. My mother, um, who's um, gone to the, to the next lifetime, she um, instilled in me some great tools that she came from a home where my grandmother, on her, my mother's mother, she, by the time she was married with three kids, as a homemaker, she decided to go back to college. 
and or go to college and get her degree and her master's degree. My grandmother became a speech pathologist and an educator and helped people with challenges with their speech, people who are disabled intellectually. And she was in the elementary school system. And then my mother saw what my mom did as a young adult and teenager, you know, um, she saw that my grandfather, who was just a traditional man, a great loving man, but traditional, you know, growing up in that baby boomer time, you know, things are just traditions. And um, he challenged my grandmother. He challenged her to take make sure the home was taken care of before she got her education. And um, she, my grandmother accepted the challenge. Back then, they didn't have you know, sure. virtual learning. They didn't have virtual learning. They didn't have online learning. She had to get in her car or her train or plane or, I mean, you know what, you know, her public transportation, um, and so, so to speak, and go back to school at Cal State LA. And uh, she got her degrees, her bachelor's, her master's, became an educator, married well with three kids. And that was my mom's like feminist um, spirit speaking out and making those connections and saying, you know what, I want this. And she was one of those young, rebellious, edgy women who, you know, raged against the machine. And when she settled down and she looked back after she, you know, fumbled around and figured out her life after married with three kids, she decided to go back to school. So what I and, did and, was break that generation curse. And I went back to school. I went to school Wow, I was just I said, nope, nope, there, nope. There you I'm go. Hey, look, Denise, I do I do want to have more sharing about the lineage um and that inspiration mm -hmm. and how you did break the mold and you you uh went to college after high school and, and what that meant to you, but also the passing of the baton. I, I want you to be able to share that story. Mm -hmm in our next segment. And I need to go to break now so that we can have all those great commercials that support the work that we do, get some airing, but we'll be right back um, and stay with us and hear Denise's story of her mom's inspiration and how that's led to the next chapter in looking at multicultural advocacy, especially for education. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And our topic today is closing the gap in educational achievement, workforce, and economic disparities with a goal to end racism and racial inequality. Joining me today is Denise Parker from the National College Resources Fund. She is the Director of Internships and Careers. I highly recommend taking a look at their website, NCR foundation.org. Again, that's ncrfoundation.org. Also, you can get to it by thecollegeexpo.com. And if you're wanting to link to with our friend Denise, you can go to LinkedIn or you can contact her at denise at ncrfoundation.org. Welcome back, Denise. You were sharing your story about your, your family's education, your grandmother. Mm. having three kids and going back and saying, no, I'm going to get my college degree and my master's degree and your mom's dedication to her college and education uh, mm -hmm. planted a seed. It planted a big seed. Um, first of all, we are all products of some somebody's greatness because somebody actually came, you know, and decided to wake up every day and, you know, start their life and start their day. So that's the beginning. If you are struggling with, 
you know, those kinds of issues, you know, you have to kind of reflect on who, who came before you, who decided that. And, and that's what's instilled in me through my legacy, through my family, is that we are surrounded by people, especially if my multicultural background, I have family members, um, my lineage is African-American, Native American, and Puerto Rican. And so on each side of my, my matriarch or my patriarch side, there is this instilled um, you know, strength of trying to survive and be part of a, something bigger than you and you're brought to this earth on a purpose. And um, it's just a grounding that was just never enforced. It was just a part of us. You don't have to enforce something that is just, you know, you know your name. Mm -hmm. I know my name. My name is Denise Parker. I don't have to enforce it unless it's taken from me or something's taken from me. So my education and my passion for helping others comes from that. It comes from my mother, it comes from my grandmother as educators and as um, advocate. My, my mother, she was an amazing woman. You know, when you think about people who actually, you know, stand in, in the gap, my mother was one of those uh, women. She was a true um, business architect and um, advocate for minorities who have their own businesses and making sure that they actually can receive contracts and uh, resources and services and provide um, for the economic development of Los Angeles. And part of her legacy um, was to make sure that they can contribute to the development of the, the airport, the LAX airport, Metro, um, USC's whole plan of development. So she was a, a business um, development um, person and advocate to make sure that that happened. She worked under the city of Los Angeles fabric, and she also um, was part of certain districts to make sure that they were helping secure contracts for minority business owners and all kinds of minorities. It wasn't just one in particular. It was a fabric of multicultural representation that are legally contracted by um, state and the federal level to receive opportunities and apply for those. And if you are not familiar with your state and local um, initiatives for if you're a minority and you are a contractor, whether you're in construction or if you're in um, marketing, if you're in um, any type of business development, any type of uh, service that you provide as a, a small business, you need to turn to your local and city um, and find out what uh, opportunities you have for you so you can bid for those contracts. Because every city, every state has um, some initiatives. You just have to look underneath the rug. They don't advertise it all the time, but it is. And you look for Minority Business Enterprise, MBE, as a, a way of also navigating that path. Mm -hmm. Yes. When my mother um, passed on, she left a big imprint on the business community in, in the greater Los Angeles area. It was so impactful that, you know how when people pass on and they, Tina Turner just um, passed away. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that the great um, Tina Turner left with us was her empowerment of herself, that she was able to get out of a situation mm -hmm. before it became detrimental. And so my mother was kind of like that when she left the business community, uh, the small business community of Los Angeles was truly affected. Matter of fact, at her service, um, it was held at um, the California Science Center that was donated on her on her behalf for all her advocacy for development in the greater part of Los Angeles. 
and um, the California African American Museum also donated their 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 part for the repast. So I was truly blessed, uh, blessed to be standing on her in her shadow, and um, and that's what kind of just propelled you. Sometimes you have these aha moments that. You just don't know. You mm-hmm. just don't know wh- why you're here, what's going on. And then you wake up, you look around, and you're like, somebody actually did a lot for me to be here. And it's an honor to say it was my family member. And when- it's not easy because people have names or recognition of, of whether it's good or bad. And you have to live to those standards mm-hmm. or break from those standards. And um I had to self. I had to have my own self discovery moments and find out who am I, as a, a legacy holder. And when you think of multicultural advocacy, and and that's part of the relay race that you're on with the baton that that your mom passed you. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you self define multicultural advocacy? You know, being a person who is multicultural, um, we especially living in America, we are not one thing, this country was built on so many different other coming in and integrating and um, becoming a collective. And if you trace back anybody's lineage, you can never just say it's just one thing because of greatness and breaking through you have to be defined by others too. So I define multicultural, um, just as far as you, who you are as a fabric, especially when it comes to young people, they identify themselves more multidimensional. Mm. They don't stick themselves in one particular box, identification, um, belief. They really embody all the things of who we are. And it kind of looks kind of crazy and messy at times. And you're, you know, as you know, people who are elders or, or you know, people who have traveled, you know, more, they look at the young people and they say, you know, what are you doing? Who are you? What's going on? They are trying to figure it out based on what their reality is now. They didn't have to grow up and fight segregation. They didn't have to grow up and, um, and you know, be a part of, you know, systems that, you know, raged against them. Now, there's things that we see and that are unseen, but they are of a generation that is now instant here I am, this is what I want, I know. But then they suffer in silence. They don't, um, you'll, you'll, you know, back in the day, you used to go duke it out, you know, you'll go out and, you know, you called me a name, meet me on the playground at three o'clock, we gonna, we gonna duke it out, no. Now it's on social media, it's, you know, likes and dislikes, it's uh, name bashing, it's, you know, following and doing hate, things, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. So this multicultural experience has transcended to this silent suffering of how we, um, you know, institute our initiatives. So why, why can't we use it for the greater good? Mm-hmm. Why can't we use it to share our differences and our likes? And when my child plays, he doesn't look at color. He looks at Oh, he likes basketball. So mm-hmm. I like basketball. Mm-hmm. He likes Spider-Man. So I like Spider-Man. You know, it's like what brings us together. And that's what multicultural is. It's like the fabric that kind of threads it is a beautiful blend of who we are. And it's instead beings. of culture wars, it's cultural cultural integration. It, it weaves, mm-hmm. it integrates, 
it allows for choice. It allows for self-identification and, and learning um, mm -hmm. over a longer haul. And, and taking away the us and them and what does it take to create us? It's just us mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and opportunities that um, should be there for all. And I'd love in our next segment to have you share some of the specific ways that you're creating pathways and um, cultural translations that allow the aha moments for young people to see their opportunities and ways that you partner with um, organizations to help make that happen. So stay with us. We'll be right back after just a few more commercials. And then we'll come back and learn more about the internships and careers available um, through the work that Denise Parker does. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And our topic today is closing the gap in educational achievement, workforce, and economic disparities with a goal to end racism and racial inequality. Joining me today is Denise Parker. She is the Director of Internships and Careers from the National College Resources Foundation. Um, it is a pleasure to have you here, Denise. I'm just uh, enjoying our conversation and learning about the work that you do. I'm, I'm you know what? I want to say something to you, you Lori. You're okay. amazing. Aww. I think this um, radio program has a lot of... Um, just um, love and just mm -hmm. how you just trying to make sure that the words and the they matter mm -hmm. um, that are coming out of you know your guests um, to to speak about their initiatives is amazing and just connecting those gaps and I love how you intertwine part of our our mission and our goals into your seg your segment lead-ins yeah. I, I love it yeah. I love it because it just really embodies what we're all about it's you know it's all about the heart. But um, it, it's also about person. it's also about how you get things done, and I, I'm so impressed. You've got six hundred thousand um, mm. NCRF, the National College Resources Fund Foundation, has helped over six hundred thousand students get into college. Three point yes. three billion NCR Foundation has helped students secure over three point three billion in scholarships mm. and grants. A hundred percent, and that stands for the NCRF's Movement Enrichment Program has yielded a hundred percent graduation rate among black students and over 93 percent among all students. And then 95 percent, 95 percent of our scholarship winners finish college. That's yes. something to be proud of, too. Oh, it's... You know what? It's nothing um, like it until you actually see it live and in person mm -hmm. when you are. Our events are very unique. Um, we've, we do events across this nation, uh, 15 states uh, nationally. We travel from September to April pretty much nonstop minus, you know, the holiday seasons. And um, we go into um, cities that are, um, whether it's Seattle, New York, or uh, Houston to Atlanta to uh, Detroit, we go into cities where the population, there's a different energy in each city that's represented. You know, LA is way different from, you know, Detroit and Detroit is way different from Atlanta. And what you find is some people are so over exuberated to get into college that they don't know what to do or what to say or how to do it and when they come to our events 
they find that a lot of our universities and our colleges that are representing there, we usually have over 30 or 40 that are on um, our event space campus. And they, um, and we, you know, house it in huge halls and um, they get accepted on the spot if they meet the requirements. So that waives the application fee. Um, that weighs the the initial rejection. You know, all of a sudden, a lot of them get acceptances on the spot, scholarship dollars on the spot. So with the support of our institutions, we were able to secure that $3 billion in um, educational, um, you know, scholarships. And then also with our partnerships with our business community, you know, we have some really robust partnerships from corporate America that have stand and um pledge to be a part of our our initiatives as a partner and support our events um, publicly. Comerica Bank, um, we want to give a shout out to them. They're one of the you know leaders. Wells Fargo Bank, um, T-Mobile, um, now Sodexo is, you know, doing leaning in and it's just it just the list goes on. Warner Brothers, Discovery, Disney, um, Nickelodeon Animation, um, the Navy, the Army, we do not, uh, we want people to see the fabric of corporate America also lean in and be part of diversity, equity, inclusion. And that is my my initiative. That's my mission is to be a part of closing that gap on the workforce, just like our, our initial part of, you know, building these relationships through our events is to extend it further from college into careers and then go beyond because all of us want to be a part of this American dream. Absolutely. And, and it's called the, um, the black college expo. You also have a Latino Mm -hmm. college expo. And as you mentioned, just there's 16 (laughs) places. There's Detroit, Sacramento, California, Seattle, Dallas, Houston, Mm -hmm. Los Angeles, Oakland, Miami, uh, North Carolina, Chicago, that's near us, um, not too far. Chicago is going to be in April of 2024. And mm-hmm. just like the first one uh, had 20,000 people show up, um, these are great opportunities to, to get an understanding of what it takes to apply, perhaps even get accepted right there on the spot. Be na- I keep coming back to it feels like you're navigating the path. Um, that allows them to see what are those opportunities. Yeah, it really goes back to what you learn in high school. A lot of schools do not teach the path. They tell you to go to college. They usually send you to a state school or community college, you know, to apply for. But there are so many opportunities where some of the best dental programs are coming out of HBCUs. Um, I'm leading a tour right now that's going to send about 15 young people from high school to the East Coast to go visit um, campuses um, that they're going to tour Ivy Leagues um, throughout the East Coast. And they're also going to tour the HBCUs in that same, you know, tri-state area. And I'm super excited about exposing these young people to the possibility of even if their GPA is not what we think is equivalent, what will happen is it will inspire them to reach deeper. And that's all you need. You know, people want to shine the light on the success stories, but nobody wants to talk about the the lead to the success. The path. And a lot of people who are, you know, po- you know, powerful in business, wealthy in their finances, savvy in the workforce, 
guess what they did? They had to learn their way. And a lot of them weren't, you know, four point, you know, plus GPAs. Some of them were, you know, rule breakers. Some of them were more misfits. But guess what? When they make it and crack it on the, you know, the NASDAQ and ring in the bell, guess what happens? Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you need to follow that person. But you don't want to talk about their story. Yeah. Some of them come from well-to-do families and some people don't come from anything that you want to be recognized with. Remember, you're more than the name that you're given. It's what you make of yourself. You know, it's what you make of yourself. What's in a name, as Shakespeare says in Romeo and Juliet. And I find myself that I am more than what was given to me. And how can I leave it beyond beyond to my my little ones? You know, how can I leave it beyond? And in addition to your work with the expos um, and mm-hmm. encouraging folks to see what the path is, you also uh, do a lot with internships and career building yes. uh, and, yes. and partnering uh, to help mm-hmm. with those opportunities. Uh, and giving them insight, like how did how do internships work? I mean, we hear this word, but yeah. how do you translate that into understanding that they are the talent, and these are the opportunities, and what an internship can provide them? Yes, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth, Lori. It's not easy to actually understand the transition between in a you know education setting and then going into the workforce. Sometimes. What you learn in school does not apply to that necessarily the company itself Mm -hmm. because they have their own way of doing things. And an internship will give you that lead in, that understanding, that expertise, so to speak, from the people who are doing it before you, who can understand the brand better and you can learn from them and be insightful for any young people out there that are looking for opportunities. You should start with volunteering. You should start with just asking questions. What is it? Especially if you don't have anybody in your home and in your family that's doing the things that you aspire to be. Maybe you don't have anybody in your family who's an engineer or a doctor. So how do you find examples? Maybe you're not sitting around your dinner table and talking about stocks and owning your own business because that's not being you're not being exposed to. That's where the gap is. The gap is not just in education. It's in our homes where you are living day to day, paycheck to paycheck, and you're trying to make ends meet. And what happens is you're trying to figure out who do I call? What do I do? How do I get in? So when I meet young people at our events, you know what they do when they come to our tables? The parent is so excited about our young, their young person or the guardian or the teacher or whatever. And they start talking, talking about their their baby, talking. <laughs> and then I say, oh, that's so amazing. You know, this is, and then I turn to the young person. I say, what do you want to be? Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. What's your passion? What's your passion? And the, the, the number one thing they say is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And my next lean in question is, what are you interested in? What do you like to do? Your likes will drive your career. I had a young person, um, I was speaking to a mother who was reaching out to scholarship uh, recipients um, from all across our nation and just saying, hey, I'm your internship and careers director. I'm here to serve. And a letter went out and it was misleading a little bit. So I, you know, we're human. So I called and said, you know, it was my mistake. It was it was offering just services. That's it. 
And um, I began to talk to a parent and she was explaining how her son was, he's got tons of scholarship. He has full rides from this school and that school. And he decided to go to an HBCU and now we have to pay for it. Ah! And he wanted to go to this school out of all the really excellent private and public institutions he received um, scholarships, full ride scholarship. He wanted to go to a historical black college and university. The reason being because of representation and environment. Mm -hmm. So that young man chose identity and who he wants to become and build himself up to be over money. So that lets you know the value of where our young people are today. You can throw money at them all day, but if a company does not institute the inclusion, equity, and diversity that they're looking for, or a school doesn't embody or support the richness of a heritage and embody the learning that's difference between those who have and those who have not before they come into college, then a young person will go into and look and seek more. And not every school is perfect. Not every HBCU is perfect. We are all striving for excellence, just like our nation is striving for that one perfect thing that our constitution says. Or but a more perfect, we, at least. Keep working on that more perfect. Keep working on that. But it's yeah. not, it's, it's about us finding our place mm -hmm. and being heard yeah. and being valued for wherever we come from. And I let our young people know your story matters. Companies want to know how they can lean into your demographic. Tell your story. Show us who you are. And with that, I'm going to have to have us go to break again. But I want to make sure that everyone knows ncrfoundation.org. Please go to it. See all the wonderful things that they're doing. And when we come back, I'm going to have our friend Denise share about what you can do to help make a difference in supporting the ncrfoundation.org. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we've been talking about how to close the gap in educational achievement, workforce, and economic disparities with the goal to end racism and racial inequality. That is the vision of the National College Resources Foundation. And joining us has been Denise Parker. She is the Director of Internships and Career. I want to make sure you all know how to get a hold of Denise should you want to know more information. Her email address is Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, -E, at ncrfoundation.org. Um, um, to get to the foundation website, either is the ncrfoundation.org or you can go thecollegeexpo.com. And you can Actually, also... it's the, the, thecollegeexpo.org. Oh, thank you so much. That's okay. College Expo... Oh, uh, O-R-G instead of the com. Do not put the com in there. It is a nonprofit, so get that org in. And also, uh, Denise can be reached through LinkedIn. And um, she she would love to have you ask questions, follow her, all that good stuff. And I just want to thank you, uh, Denise, for your, your multicultural advocacy, um, taking the baton and from your, your grandmother and your mother, 
um, to see the vision for the next generation and not only give them opportunity, but give the companies and the colleges the opportunity to benefit from the young people that you're bringing to their attention. Thank you. Uh, We have so many different opportunities that have come our way and onto our doorstep. I'm right now creating an internship program that is internal for our organization, meaning our departments are very robust. We have a movement enrichment program that helps um, elementary through high school students in person. We also have a um, student athletes program that's helping our student athletes to onboard into college and get opportunities. We also have a um, students think STEAM. Those are all the STEAM initiatives. And our STEAM is a little different. It's not science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. We take the A to the fifth power, arts, aviation, agricultural, aerospace, AI. We um, incorporate the the embodiment of what um, you need to be thinking about, especially with AI. So STEAM is very, very robust. We also have our expos, our events that are huge that we can um, lend in with volunteers who want to support and see it in action and the beauty of it. And um, we also do some tours um, that are preluding our events. We They call it the Power of Me Tour. So we will come to your high school if you are in the area where we're doing our expos. And we pump up the high school students. We It's like a pep rally, and it's just to get them excited about education, pass out tickets. Most of our events are free or at a minimal cost. And, uh, you know, they come by the busloads of these high school students. And what rain, wet, you know, no matter the weather, they come through. I remember there was a story. We were in D.C., I remember, and the, the Army called and said, is the event still going on? Because the weather was <laughs> so dear. bad. All of a sudden, with sunshine, and then it was just storm. And that that can happen <laughs> absolutely. I lived in D.C. for many years, and it's those afternoon rainstorms. But I want to make sure before we we need to say goodbye that um, our audience knows that you can support the NCRF. You can make a difference and give today. Mm-hmm. And the support directly impacts the 100,000 students that they serve annually by providing resources, college access, and educational services. You can go to that by going um, to the websites that I mentioned, thecollegeexpo.org, and you can go to the donation page. And I highly recommend if you want to help invest in the future, if you want to help make a difference, if you want to be part of multicultural advocacy, providing financial support would be one wonderful way to do that. And if you're also seeking to be a part of our internship and careers program, which is my department, to, to get more opportunities, we have, again, tons of partnerships. I am their diversity, equity, inclusion advocate in the youth space and the young adult space. So I'm not just helping students who are going into college. I'm helping those who are actually um, getting into their early careers. So our partners, such as T-Mobile, they have tons of uh, programs. They track our resumes. And, and, and I wish I could I wish I could go on for another hour, but I have to close so that we can, um, again, have our sponsors be able to thank us as well through uh, their commercials and support. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate you so much coming on today, and I look forward to future shows with you. Take I care. I appreciate you, too. Thank you, Minnesota. Go Twins. Go Twins is right.